me in prayer? Our Father in Heaven, it's such a privilege to be here to worship You right now. And God, I really pray, I know uh, we're always tempted to just go through the motions with You. And I really pray today that as we listen to Your Word, we'd be active listeners. That we would look beyond who's saying it or how they're saying it and really listen to Your voice recorded for us by Your Holy Spirit. Father, thank You for our salvation. It's more precious than our children. It's more precious than our health. It's more precious than anything we have. The fact that we can have a relationship with you on this side of life and on the life to come. Father, thank you for our challenges and our trials. They remind us that this human body is a tent. They remind us that we need to depend on you just as much today as while we were in darkness. And they remind us, Father, of how much we need each other, we need Your Word, and we long for heaven. Father, strengthen us this afternoon. Soften our hearts. Open our minds. Help us leave today with joy and with, with a purpose, with a mindset of going forward spiritually. Thank You for each person here that's visiting. I pray they'd feel our love and they'd feel Your love, most importantly, through Your Word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be with everybody. We've uh, had our series going uh, on Facebook. If you don't use Facebook, I'm a, like a once-a-month Facebook guy. Every month I check or three weeks, respond to some messages, and then go back to not... I just have a hard time staying on top of the email, text, and telephone calls. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But I have a hard time staying on top of the other stuff. So, you know, once a month... Uh, I have more friends than my daughter, but they're not really friends because I don't know a lot of the people. <laughs> I just thought it was, you know, they're my brothers and sisters. And... But, um, you know, it is amazing when you think about the youngest billionaire in the world is from Facebook. That just a decade ago, he was just an average Joe at college, a smart average Joe. But now, you know, just uh, since the early 2000s, mid-2000s, uh, he's now worth like 25 billion, with a B, dollars. And uh, this is just the beginning um, uh, you know, of, of what they're developing with it. And what did he tap into? He tapped into the fact that we want to be connected and we want to be known. That we want people to know what's going on in our life. That all of us get excited when someone takes an interest in us. And you know, just like uh, you can use any form of communication for evil things and bad things and to uh, accentuate negative things, you can also use it in a very powerful way. And it's amazing how literally before our eyes, history is being made across the Middle East. What's going to come from it? Who knows? But you can just see the fact of empowering people with the voice and connecting them together where it's literally overturned countries that have been severe, harsh, brutal, murderous, not all of them, but many, dictatorships for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Just by the power of people being able to talk and connect on a global scale. That's why they would shut down the cell towers and shut down the internet because if they can get them to stop talking, then there's not a power. 
How much more power is there when people connect with the greatest power in the world, the Holy Spirit? How much of a power is there when people connect with other people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, called Christians? How much more change can happen when there's that connection? Not just, my dog got a haircut today, have you tried this recipe? And, you know, whatever, not that those things aren't cool, but, I mean, there's such a power in us being connected. And we're going to talk about that here today uh, as we look at the Scriptures. Edit my profile. You know, I had to go on and look at, I googled, what is a profile? I mean, I already knew, but I wanted to get the definition from Facebook. And so Facebook's got this fancy page with pictures and descriptions and subcategories of what the profile is. And they keep adapting the profile to where you can now know what friends that this person has and how many are from work, how many are from school, how many are best friends. And then you can see where you size up in the, in the category. There's a hierarchy forming right there on your profile. But profile is defined as a short article giving a description of a person or an organization. That's the definition of a profile. And every one of us has a profile. We have a physical profile. We have a profile that's our reputation. Quirks and all, right? And then we also have a spiritual profile. And whether you like it or not, you have a physical profile. You have a a profile that's just the reputation of who you are and how you are. And you do have a spiritual profile. And in, in, in the Facebook, it talks about how your, your, uh, it starts with a snapshot. It says, your profile begins with a quick summary of who you are, giving friends an easy way. I just cut and pasted this. Giving friends an easy way to see where you live now, where you're working, and more. And then a, a, re, a collection of recently tagged photos also shows your friends what you've been up to lately. And then now they've got these new categories where you can share your experiences, what you've done to do with your time, your work, your activities. You can highlight meaningful friendships. It even said on Facebook, your close friends can be just as important as family. And, uh, and so they, they're understanding the power of social connection. And I'm so thankful that we're part of a church that doesn't just go on Sunday and recognize physical profiles. Oh yeah, there's that girl that goes to my church. I've seen her actually a lot over the last decade. Who is it? I have no idea. Because I remember growing up in a church where we knew a few families in a large church and that was it. And you'd kind of high so-and-so, high by so-and-so, and that was it. That was the level of spiritual connection. And I'm so thankful that we're a church where we're a family first, where we're connected spiritually. And if you're not connected today, and you're part of the church, let me tell you something, you're missing out. You say, well, I'm too busy. You're missing out. Because one of the ways God transforms us, changes us, meets our needs, enriches us, is through the connections in the church. And I'm not saying those exclusively, because if you just try to build your friendships and not connect to God, then you're disappointed because people let you down. But if you're connected to both, it is a powerful, powerful source. You know, um, there's a single in the room that just changed her profile. Uh, I had a privilege of meeting this sister in the gym about four years ago, right? Four years ago, 
I went, I didn't typically work out on Saturdays, in the gym that is, and I just happened to go in there with the intent of quick workout, quick meet somebody, and I met Noreen Tagalog there in the gym about four years ago, and uh, little did I know Noreen was looking for God. She told me, I'm looking for a church, and she was an, just super eager to learn. And so there she was the next day at church, came all the way to the front row at Wilson High School to find us, to sit with us. And she became a Christian, has been a great disciple here in the South Bay for the last four years. Her sister's become a disciple in UCLA. Her another sister's a disciple at Long Beach State. And uh, she just got engaged to this great man of God, Nick, Nick Merlino. They got engaged. Uh, okay. A Nick's a Marine, so don't mess with him. And, uh, and uh, he's got a year left in the Corps, and uh, uh, they're going to get married over Skype. She's in Hawaii, she's here. And then in a year, they'll be eating together. No, I'm just kidding. Noreen, unfortunately, has to sacrifice and move to Hawaii. Poor thing. But little did either of them know, as they became disciples as a college student, as a single adult, how much God was going to edit their profile who they were, what they were going to stand for, what pictures they were going to present in their life, what their priorities were going to be, how their whole value system and their whole world would change. Little did they know how much their profile, because they came in contact with Jesus, would be edited. And that's the power of being a Christian. It's not just ritual. It's not just being part of an organization or religion. It's that we're, It's a dynamic religion. It's dynamic in that we keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper in our friendship with God and our friendships with each other and the impact our lives can make. Uh, so happy for you guys. It's awesome. And you're Italian too, which is a really cool thing as well. It's a, a few of us, the short ones among us, have to stick together because there's not many. Okay. Um, we're going to look at, we're going to read through today two and a half chapters in the Bible. Not all at once, so take it easy. But I want you to actually pay attention to the whole two and a half chapters. Uh, they're not going to be in the same place. But before we do that, I just want to look at this passage up here in Galatians 5. And what you're going to see here is in this whole concept of editing your profile. That so much of us changing comes down to how much we're filled with God's Spirit. If you're not filled with God's Spirit, you're not going to change a whole lot. Galatians 5, Paul writes here in this passage, So I say, live by the Spirit. Now, he's writing this to Christians, inferring that some Christians may be Christians, have the Spirit, but not be living by the Spirit. They're living more by the flesh. They're living more by their wisdom, their experience, hard work, their mindset. But they're not living by the Spirit. And I want to encourage you, if you're a disciple, live by the Spirit. He says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Anyone feel the spiritual battle inside? Literally, tug of war. Bad thoughts, good thoughts, bad thoughts, good thoughts, great attitude, bad attitude. Love being a Christian, go, this is really hard, why do I have to do that? I mean, it's just... Temptation, purity, temptation, righteousness, temptation. I mean, it's just, it is a battle. 
But the Bible gives us a solution. And it says, the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit's what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to about heaven is I don't have to fight spiritually anymore. I'm a fighter. I love a good fight. I don't like doing a workout where you just like perspire a little bit. I like to drip. That might be gross to you, but to me, I'm like, yeah, that was good. And, uh, but I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where there's no more conflict with each other. Just get to be with God, be with the people of God, whatever that means, what we're going to be doing, who knows. I just know it's going to be amazing. Because you know how you feel when you're really connected to God? Not just emotionally, but you really sense His presence. Imagine not sensing it, but seeing His presence. And so I look forward to the day where we don't have to live by the Spirit, but we can live with the Spirit. We're right there with the Spirit of God. And there's no more conflict. You look a little further down in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, there he says it again, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, the Spirit is, trying to keep, is, is on its way to keep changing your profile. You never become a static Christian, like, yeah, I've changed a lot and now I'm just cool. No, you keep changing. And I'm a fast walker. Some of you know that if you've walked with me, I walk fast. I'm, in, I'm a man on a mission. And, you know, sometimes my kids have to kind of keep up. I'm going, let's go, let's go. And you know, the Spirit's moving. The Spirit is in step. The Spirit has plans. You say, my Christian life is flat. You're not living by the Spirit. My Christian life is kind of boring. My Christian life is all reactive. I'm just putting out fires and and reacting to problems. That's true sometimes, but if that's all it is, you're missing a whole element of Christianity. The Spirit's doing things. The Spirit's going places. The Spirit is leading us. And you're going to see that today as we look at these studies. You know, when you look at these fruits of the Spirit, write down which two you need to work on the most. Where you need some editing in your profile. Which two of those fruits of the Spirit do you need help with the most? Circle them. Write them down. Which two fruits? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think it's eight. Out of the eight, which two? Write them down. Just first answer. Some of you are really thinking, hmm, I've got most of them down. Uh, for me, patience. Danielle looked at me and went, it's rough being a preacher, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, patience would definitely be my, um, I need help. I need to grow. I need some editing in my profile in the patience department. I made a decision this week I was going to be more temperate, not raise my voice as much with the kids, be more, be firm, but I did it for half a week. Come on, man. So let's go for, let's go for five days this time. Six. 
Um, the other one would be gentleness. I have to keep working. I need God's Spirit to edit in my profile, to get in there and point and click and change me. How about you? What two do you need help with today? You know, um, I made a new friend in the church. You know, you can make new friends in the church, right? Even though I'm friendly and know a lot of people, I made a new friend. Spencer, he's my new friend right there. Uh, this guy is an intense athlete. And uh, he, tries to, he tries to play it down. And uh, it's all a ploy because he just likes to beat me on the road bike. So he's like, oh, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good. And I said, Spencer, I see how this is. You've been buttering me up for like seven weeks. And then I mean, he didn't even look back to see how far back I was. He was already back with his latte. You know, just... But, um, you know, I've had so much fun riding with Spencer every Saturday or Sunday morning. And we, we, um, we, we race each other on the hills. I'll just leave it at that. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, it's been a great time. But it's been great because I've been reaching out to people uh, while I'm riding my bike. And you've all heard of Meals on Wheels. I've now got a message on wheels. And so, uh, so Spencer and I, you know, there's different areas you stop. And uh, last, uh, last week we rode, not yesterday, but the week before, you know, you stop at the top of the tallest point of PV where all the satellite or the radar domes are. They call it the domes. People always ride up. It's a mile up. After a few miles up, then that's another mile up. And you, know, you stop at the domes, you eat your power bar, you drink your, your whatever power gel drink, and you just you know talk with somebody for a few minutes. So we're sharing with this engineer a couple weeks ago, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had a pen and paper. And I got his phone, you know, I got, I said, well, give me your number. Spencer just reaches amongst one of the four multi pockets on the back of your jersey, and he just like, pen and paper. Why didn't I think of that? That's awesome. I just bring the cell phone for emergencies, but he's just like, not even in a bag. He just, here you go. Good job, Spencer. And uh, so we, you know, got the guy's number and he's interested. And then yesterday I was riding and I was climbing the domes and I was uh, by myself. Spencer had already done like two laps. I saw him coming down. And uh, I'm riding next to this guy. And uh, I asked him, what does he do? He says he's an engineer. I said, wow, every, what is, like, one out of three riders are engineers. What's the deal? He goes, velocity, the design of the bike. You know, he's just giving me all the reasons. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I overheard you say funerals and weddings, because I was telling him where I was at a few weeks ago, the group. And uh, he goes, I, I didn't think it was a caretaker, because you don't do weddings at a funeral home. Um, you know, he just overheard. And so we just started talking. He goes, so why'd you become a minister? Or what, what do you like about being a minister? I said, well, I like to see people's lives change. He goes, yeah, L.A., man. Whoo, you're a good guy for L.A. I said, really? He goes, man, people need to change here. I mean, they really need to change. I mean, it's shallow. It's like, I mean, where I'm from, but I mean, people need to change. Man, I'm glad you're here. You, you need to, there's a lot of people need to change. I said, what is it you, he says, what is it you like? I said, I just, just the fact that it works. Like, you help people know God and their life changes. Oh, that's cool. That's great because people need to change. I said, we're riding up a hill at this one. And I said, you know, everybody needs to change. And what I've seen is, every, yeah, I know, but a lot of people need to change. And uh, it was just classic. And so I said, do you go to church? Atheist. Church. I said, really? How'd you do that? I said, are you kidding me? How'd that happen? He goes, church of physics. I said, so you've proven there's no God? Yeah, I was just having fun with him, but it was just so funny that he was so excited about 
the fact that I was helping people change, but he really didn't need to change. And yet, everyone needs to change. Everybody. Look over in Acts chapter 9. You know, in the, uh, in the Bible, you see 50 times in the New Testament the word repentance. And because of many of us having a traditional church upbringing, we think of repentance in a very negative way. Repentance. Oh, no. You know, like it's just this negative, heavy, duty thing. And yet, the Bible teaches that if we become Christians, that there should be a complete edit of our whole profile. In fact, if you want to know how someone's doing spiritually or they're struggling, just go to their profile page, look at the pictures they're displaying, and you can go, not doing so well. Right? And, and yet the Bible teaches not just there's a complete edit, but that there's a continued edit. I'm 23 years in the Lord this September. I'm very different today than I was 10 years ago. You say, praise God, because you haven't moved. I say, I know. I mean, but I hope 10 years from now, if God gives me 10 more, I'll be radically different in 10 years at 33 in the Lord than I was at 23 in the Lord. And in Acts 9, you see this guy transform. His profile is edited. And here you got this guy, Saul, Acts 9, verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul! Saul! Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Here you see a man of God. Saul loved God. He was just off base. Saul was about as devoted as they come. And a lot of times people think, because they're religious, I don't need to change anything. Saul was a devout student of rabbinical law, a devout student of the Old Testament. He was considered, if you read his qualifications, faultless. Meaning he had qualified under so many Jewish laws that he was faultless. I mean, he was a Jew among Jews, and yet God says, I'm going to edit your profile. And it's interesting because we read right here that Saul was at a junction point. He got knocked to the ground. He was blinded. He had one of those aha moments, like, aha, this is big. Something's happening. And he, had, he was at a junction point. He had to make a decision. What do I do with this? Do I hum, I've been humbled, but do I now humble myself? And I appreciate, you can see Saul's love for God, because right at this point, God got pretty strong with them. He called them by his name twice. He got very specific. Why are you persecuting me? He says... You're persecuting me? You need to stop and I'll come to this place. Follow me. 
And Saul didn't know what was going on. He loses his eyesight. But he has to take a huge step of trust. He could have very easily went the route of his three friends or two friends that led him by the hand. But he didn't. He went by faith at this point. He listened to God's Spirit and he started following God in a whole different way. It's interesting because in verse 10 it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord. He answered, the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. You've got to appreciate Saul. He was willing to be led by the hand. He was willing to go off this voice from above. He was willing to go check out what does this mean. He was willing and then he was praying, God, reveal to me what you're doing to me. God, what are you changing? What do you want from me? He was seeking God. If you want your profile to change, and everyone has to have two profile changes. The first profile change is a complete profile change. Where someone that says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I didn't really change a whole lot. I always just go, mm-hmm. Then you never got in touch with the whole lot. Because everybody, whether you're ultra-religious like Saul, which is almost none of us, or you're a pagan among pagans, like you're the chief pagan. You, you, you invent ways, Romans 1 says, of doing evil. Everyone, whether you're here or there, you need a radical change. There has to be a complete edit in your profile. Meaning if somebody looked at your profile on May, what's today, the 21st? Second? And they looked on May 21st, and then they checked back on May 22nd, they'd be radically different. The things you took down, the things that you highlighted, the things that you were friend, people you were friends with, there'd be a radical change. And I'm not just saying that on Facebook, someone that's a Christian just have like, holier than thou, you know, a, a counter of how many more days until you see Jesus. Um, do you know, like you can really get weird and, and unrelatable. But I am saying that what we profile is who we are and what we love. And you appreciate that Saul was willing to make a complete profile change. Look what happens. Ananias says, Lord, Ananias, verse 13, answered, I've heard many reports about this man, all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings, before the people of Israel. I will show him how much you must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went into the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So here he was going to kill these disciples, hunt them down. Literally go and just like Nazi Germany when the Gestapo would show up and the SS in the middle of the night and just start banging on doors or breaking down doors and dragging families out and putting them in a truck and driving away for good. That's what Saul was doing. He was going after people to put them to death for violating God's faith. That's the kind of radical change that was taking place. I appreciate that Saul was willing to trust Ananias and make that friend connection, accept, you know what I'm talking about? 
friend me? <laughs> he hit accept. I appreciate that. Ananias was like, hey, Lord, uh, this guy, no thank you. Please, let me tell you what's happening. Go, God says. I appreciate that Ananias was willing to connect. You know, at this point, Saul's friends became irrelevant. At this point, Ananias became everything in the disciples. So the disciples he was going to destroy in Damascus, he was now fellowshipping with them. Isn't that blow away? That his profile was changed that much. It says in verse 20, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and said, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among, among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan day and night. They kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But the followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. What an incredible story. What an amazing editing of profile. All of us have to have a complete edit. You call yourself a Christian and you've never had a complete edit in your life. You're probably not a Christian. Because I don't think there was a more upright, righteous, whatever you want to call it, pure man than Saul. And yet he had a radical... I mean, talk about editing his profile. Even people said, isn't he the guy? What's happening here? And yet he was the guy. It's just he got filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. What an amazing transformation. There had to be a complete edit. You know, if you're visiting today or studying the Bible, we want to help you edit your spiritual profile. We don't know you maybe, or we're just getting to know you. We're not better than you. But we want to share how much God has changed our lives. We want to help you with the tools of the Scriptures to be able to get in and say, how can I take what the Scriptures say and make it change my life? If you're studying and you've decided, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process. Keep going. Don't stop. Believe anybody can change. Go after it. You know, I appreciate Eric Diaz, who just became a Christian four months ago. Eric's like, me? Talk about how many months? Eight months. I was off by four. Um, but you know, Eric's profile changed so much that his friend from high school, Raphael, who you heard share powerfully a few weeks back, he now changed his profile. And both are single fathers redoing their whole life. Young daughters. Think about them editing their profile is going to affect their children's destiny. How amazing. And we got to think that way. That anybody can have a complete edit in their life. They just need to connect with the Holy Spirit. They just need to get to know who Jesus is. They just need for us to share with them. And if they connect, they make that friend connection, the power that will be in their life is amazing. But it's not just that. It's not just a complete edit. There has to be a continual edit. Look at this quote right here. Repentance is an ongoing process. One must be forever repentant. It is not enough to once feel sorrow over sin. True repentance 
affects the whole man and alters the entire lifestyle. Isn't that true? If you've got to confess sins because you sin every day and you're supposed to be confessing them on a regular basis, not to a minister, but to your friends, your spiritual friends. If you've got to confess, if if your sins are always back in the day, what about yesterday and today? I, yes, I think the sin should get smaller, more sins of the heart, but we've got to, if we're going to grow, there has to be a continual edit, a continual change. And there can be. You know, as you get older, as a Christian or physically, it's harder to change. It's harder to see the need for change. It's harder to ask for help to change. And you just have less energy. Less natural idealism. You need an extra measure of the Holy Spirit to keep changing. Don't you? I do. I'm getting old. The gray is going into my sideburns now. The kids are pointing it out. Michelle just pulls out the individual three until it's just too late. They overtake me. But it does. It gets harder to change. Because you feel you can get duped by Satan to go, I got this Christian thing down. I'm not in cruise control, but kind of. I know where to go, what to say, how to do it. I know what not to do, what not to say. I know how not to sound prideful. While maybe there's a trace there, I know how not... You know, you just get into this routine. And it's harder to push yourself. But we need to. We can make a continual edit. Look over in 2 Corinthians 3. I want to look at this other chapter in the Bible. And it's interesting, you know, Paul changed, but you see him, if you read his letters, 13 different letters, he spoke so much about God's Spirit. Constantly. And I think one of the reasons he spoke so much about God's Spirit is he felt the change that God's Spirit brought in his life, but also because he was so much about the law, following the letter of the law, earning his approval by God. He was all about works. He was all about duty. He was all about obligation. He was all about, I follow God to the T. And so I think he emphasized the Spirit so much because he saw what it had done in his life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, down in verse 6. It says right here, if anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. If you look at the word there, reflect, it also means contemplate. Meaning you sit there and you think about, you gaze at God's glory. And so you gaze at it long enough that you start to then reflect it. Second Corinthians 3, I said 6, I'm sorry, it's verse 16, please forgive me. Verse 18, And we with unfailed faces, faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as, for your, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light 
of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show, he's talking about our weaknesses, that we're weak and fragile as people, to show that this all-surpassing power, it's from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed on every side. Anybody feel hard-pressed in any area in their life today? I got a couple. But not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down. Anyone struck down by anything lately? But not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. And I thought about this. What does that mean? We carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Self-denial. Surrender. We may not physically be accosted for our faith today, but to follow Jesus, you have to sacrifice all the time. To be engaged spiritually, you've got to be a servant. Towels over the shoulder or over the uh, arm right there, ready to ready to serve. Can I get you anything? How is everything going? You know, the waiter always comes back to the table. You see that picture all throughout the Gospels that we're menial servants. That we're to do the lowest task. We're to help anybody with anything at any time. And that's a challenge to keep sacrificing and serving. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore... He's saying, looking forward to what's to come and why we're doing this. We do not lose heart. Why do we sometimes lose heart about continually editing, continually changing? Because it's hard. Sometimes the change is in inches. He says, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed, we're being edited, recharged, changing day by day. Day. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, he says, not on problems, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen, it's temporary. It's only here a little while. It's this problem, this thing, this situation. It's going to pass, he's saying. But what is unseen is eternal. And now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, talking about our human body, we groan and are burdened. Anyone relate? Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. He's saying, there's a part of life that's incomplete, naked. Kind of, man, this is hard. This is not comfortable. This is not how I want things. He said, that makes us so long for a different type of clothing. So that what is mortal, look at this, may be swallowed up by life. 
That's a picture to wrap your brain around. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we're always confident and we know that as long as we're at home in the body we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him. What should our, ed- our profile display? That our goal in life Young, middle-aged, or older, is our goal is to please God. For He says, we make it a goal to please Him whether we are at home, talking about in this life, at home in the body, or away from it. Talking about heaven. Not away, you missed church this week, you're away from it, traveling. He's talking whether you're here, you want to please God, or whether you're away from the body and with God now, you want to please God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You know, a lot of times we focus on being afraid of facing God. How about being excited about being rewarded? Do a Bible study on how many times God says, I will reward you. You say, well, that's selfish. Who am I to think I'm going to be rewarded? I just want to do it out of the love for God. I agree. If your only goal is to get hooked up, rewarded, the connections, you're not going to make it the whole marathon. But the Bible does put that there to motivate us that someday we get to stand before God as we continue to be edited, as our profile keeps changing, that someday we stand before God and we get rewarded. What does it say in Matthew 25? Well done. My good and faithful servant. What did Paul say in his last writings? How he can't wait to be to stand. He's longing for God's appearing to get the to get his crown. He's I just I've been waiting for this, and not just me, but everyone's waiting for this that have been longing for his appearing. See, changing for the sake of changing isn't very motivating. I need to edit my profile because my wife doesn't like this about me. Well, that's a good motivator, but how about I need to change this more importantly because my goal is to please God. That's a lot great, greater motivator than any other goal. Because he says, if our goal is to please God on this earth, then someday we stand before God and we just continue pleasing God. Whether we're home at the body, on this side of life, or away from this side of life with God. We've got to continue to go after this editing. You know, I'm so proud of Tess, who stood up to lead a small group. Where's Tess? Is she here? Maybe she's not here. Maybe she's in the kids' kingdom. But, you know, sister, she's a dentist, great sister, a little bit shyer. We asked her, hey, Tess, we need you to step up. Didn't like, let's do it. I've been waiting. I didn't want to be prideful. No, she didn't want to initially. But I appreciate her working through it, praying about it. She's doing a great job. Uh, I love our singles ministry. It's been a tremendous amount of joy for Michelle and I. We're now approaching the mid-60s in this group. And we're getting bigger and bigger. And what excites me more is the hearts. Almost no one left the Lord last year in this group. There's a great family and connection. We've got a lot of weaknesses, but it's a great family. And it's growing and it's changing. And Elias and Rachel are doing a great job. I was talking with them yesterday in deep time, Elias and Rachel, who lead the singles. And I was sharing with them, I said, about their wedding coming up. They're getting married here next month. I mean, two months, July. Seven weeks. What is it? How many days? Eight weeks. I said, could you, I mean, would you have ever imagined just a few years ago 
or Elias seven years as a Christian, four years, three years, I can't remember. That what was going to be happening in your life, how much your life had changed, how much impact your life is making. So proud of them. And I'm so proud of the singles because the old coastal group and the South Bay group, we become one family. It is the neatest family. So encouraging. So many changed lives. I appreciate the Hachias. I asked the Marichis, who's a, somebody in your group that's radically went after editing their profile? They continue to grow. And they talked about the Hachias stepping up to lead, go, you know, giving of themselves, as well as taking a group of teens and leading a, a Bible talk for them once a month, just out of their own hearts of wanting to help, and building family amongst the teen ministry. I appreciate the Colbanks. Well, who's Scott and Julie Colbank? I don't know you, so... They're in Kids Kingdom Serving. But they've stepped up to serve more and have really made some great changes in their life. Let's go after these things. Let me show you this last thing here as we close. I don't know if you can read it. But I want to just encourage you with this. The Romans sometimes compelled a captive. So if they took you prisoner, this is what they do. They would take you and tie you face to face with a dead body. And then you'd have to walk around until the horrible effluvia, I looked it up, Henry, it's the discharge of the body coming out of all the openings after the body dies. All the, just the body rotting and just discharging liquid. So they'd tie you, I'm trying to encourage you, it's getting, you're going to get there. They'd tie you as a punishment, if they took you captive, they'd take a dead body, tie you face to face, nose to nose, with this body. Until... You, were, you died yourself from all the bacteria that came from that body. Virgil describes this cruel punishment. The living and the dead at his command were coupled face to face and hand to hand till checked with stench in loathed embraces, tied. The lingering wretches pined away and died. You know, without Christ, we can't change anything. Oh yeah, maybe we gave up smoking, stopped cussing, a little bit nicer as we got gray hair. Or not, I don't know. Some do. Some get gentler, some get meaner. But anyway, without Christ, he says, we're shackled to a dead corpse. What's the dead corpse? The old Marco. The old you. Where only repentance frees us from certain death, for life and death cannot coexist indefinitely. We don't need to be shackled to the old person anymore. We're shackled to who now? Christ. We're filled with His Spirit. Let's rely on that Spirit. You say, how do you rely on it? Ask God. I prayed throughout the day to God, fill me with Your Spirit. God, strengthen me with Your Spirit. God, I don't want to do what Your Spirit wants, but God, help me keep in step with Your Spirit. Father, I have no idea where Your Spirit's going. Help me be aware of Your Spirit. Father, help me read something written down in Your Word from Your Spirit that will strengthen me. But let's be a people that are Spirit-led. Amen? How do you do it? Get honest. Where are you at? Do you need a complete edit of your profile or just maybe some current changes? Get help. Ask for help. Get humble. And then get hard line about that area. I need to go after my patience and my gentleness. What was it for you? Let's go after these things. And let's transform the way God wants us to. Amen? Thank you.